Welcome everybody once again to Life Church this morning. We're so glad that you're here. I especially want to welcome all those that are new, that have maybe never been here before, or maybe this is, you know, maybe second, third time, something like that. Hey, we are so glad that you're here. I just want to once again make sure that you know that you are invited to join us for lunch after the service today. Tanya and I are going to be having lunch with you uh, in the side room over there, the kids' room over there, right after the service. Uh, we'd love you to come join us. We're having some, some sandwiches picked up right now for everybody, and we're going to take about 45 minutes just to sit down with you all to an hour and just share with you a little bit about our heart, the history of Life Church, where we've been, where we feel God is taking us. Church, these are exciting days at Life Church. Amen? Look what God's doing. Come on, I just heard a great testimony, and I didn't want to embarrass this person, so I, I won't mention them necessarily directly, but I just heard a great testimony that this week somebody was having some pain in their ear, and they prayed and they asked God to heal them, and they were immediately healed. Come on, and so we believe that God is moving in our midst, that God is here, that he is able to work even uh, when you're not here on a Sunday morning, that God can meet you right where you are, and, and we're excited about what God is doing. Amen? Amen. Okay, so what are we doing this morning, you guys? We've got a little bit of work to do this morning because we are going to be concluding our sermon series um, from Psalm 23. Uh, we've been going through the, the passage, Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd passage, if you will, and we've been taking it verse by verse. I mentioned to you that the way that we're approaching this is like a good steak, that you cut a good piece of steak and you savor that, right? You take it in your mouth, you let that, that buttery steak kind of melt in your mouth, and, and, and you enjoy it. We wanted to do that with the Word of God, and we've been doing that through Psalm 23. How many people have been enjoying this series? Amen. It's been awesome. And so this morning, it is with a little bit of sadness that I tell you we are concluding our series in Psalm 23. And we're going to do what we've always done when we've approached this passage. We're going to read the passage. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow my wife's leading. By the way, how amazing was that last week? My goodness, if you didn't get a chance to catch it, my wife preached a masterful message on Psalm 23, verse 5. You're going to want to check that out online uh, if you get a chance to do that later on, because it was amazing. And I have to follow that today? I mean, come on. Come on. Like, even just, just having her up here is just amazing. But anyways, um, so we're going to read Psalm 23. Uh, we're going to read the entire passage. I'm going to read it over you today. Then I'm going to pray. Then we're going to unpack the passage that we are dealing with and, and focusing on today, which will be Tom, Psalm 23, verse 6. But as we begin, let's read Psalm 23 in the New King James Version. I'm going to read it over you. If you want to even just close your eyes for just a moment and just take this in, you can do that. Okay, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. Forever. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. God, that divides between the soul and the spirit, discerns to the intents of the heart. And so, Father, this morning we come under the authority of your word. God, we pray that you would come and have your way, Lord Jesus, that your word would be preeminent in this place. Beyond my words, Lord God, I pray that your words would shine through, Lord Jesus. And I thank you that your word does not return void, but it will accomplish what it is set out to do. So I pray that your word would plant a seed in each one of our hearts today, Lord God, that we could carry with us throughout this week, Lord God, and throughout our lives. Father, we pray that you would do a deep work in us today, Lord God. As we come to you, we come with great expectations because we serve a great God. And I get out of the way, Lord God. I say, do whatever you want to do in this place today, Lord God. We thank you that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, if you've been with us at all throughout this entire passage, you'll note that we recognize that when David wrote this particular passage, he was seeing himself as the sheep and the Lord as the shepherd. He begins the passage saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this again is echoed in Psalm 100 verse 3 where it says, know that the Lord, he is God, it is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so in this passage, we know that the Lord is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And for those who have been with us, we've been on a journey with the sheep. We kind of started out at the home ranch. We started out finding out about how sheep like to kind of do their own thing. Sheep have their own way of doing things. But it is with a good shepherd that they are able to find fresh grass to eat. It is with a good shepherd that they are able to find water to drink that's not muddied. It's with a good shepherd that they're able to avoid insects and parasites that might try to come and torment them. It's with a good shepherd that they are led from, 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 from pathway to pathway, from stream to stream, from, from, from grassland to grassland. It's with a good shepherd that they are led through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's with a good shepherd that they are brought into the tablelands or the highlands in the right season in the summertime. And that the shepherd has gone before them and he's prepared the way for them. He's gone in and, and he's made sure that the grass is good in that area. and He's cultivated the land. The shepherd has gone in and he's, he's unstopped the water holes and he's prepared a way so that the sheep are going to have water and that they're going to have grass and that they're going to be taken care of. And then it is with that same journey today that we turn back from the highlands as the seasons change and make our way back down towards the home ranch. The shepherd is the key. Throughout the journey, we become aware of one constant truth. The Lord is my shepherd. There is a constant truth. And today as we close this series, we close it in Psalm 23, verse 6. And this is what it says in the New King James Version. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the New Living Translation, it says this way, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, that deserves an amen right there. Amen. amen. Come on. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to bring out four points from this passage today as we close this series that I want to share with you and encourage you with. Each one of these points is going to have a question attached to it to challenge you, a challenge question, if you will. And so here is the first point. 
As we've just been through this journey, we've just gone through this journey with the sheep and the shepherd, and we've seen how he interacts with the sheep. We've seen how he guides and, and, and shows the sheep where to go as he prepares the way for the sheep. We come down to this one point that surely goodness and mercy will follow me, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is the first point? The first point is this, that goodness and mercy are therefore the greater reality. Goodness and mercy are the greater reality. And here's my question for you today. Can you see the good shepherd working in your life? How many know that even when you don't see it, God is working? Even when you're not aware of it, he's around you and he's preparing things for you. Just like the shepherd that went before the sheep and prepared the way for them. Just like the shepherd that went up into the highlands and prepared the the highlands and the tabletop lands for the sheep to come. There is a, a, a God right now who's looking out for you and preparing the way for you. Come on, we always sing about this. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Right? And when we talk about this idea, we're talking about this idea that there is a greater reality than what you see. See, the reality is that for those who are called by Jesus, their good shepherd, they are being pursued by goodness and mercy. They're being pursued by it. When you look at the original Hebrew, uh, as it was written, which says, shall follow me, that word is the word radaf. And what it actually means is to run after, to hunt, to go after, to pursue. In fact, one of the words that's used is with hostility. Church, not only is goodness and mercy following you, but it's pursuing you with hostility. You can't escape it. You can't get away from it. The goodness and mercy of God will follow you wherever you go. It will follow you wherever you go. When we look at this idea of goodness and mercy, we find it throughout the Psalms. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies over all of his works. I love this one. Psalm 34 verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. How about this one? Psalm 119.68. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. So if we're being pursued by goodness and mercy, what do we mean by goodness and mercy? Mercy defined is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone to whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. How many know that we need the mercy of God? We need his mercy to work in our lives. It's within his power. He is the only one who is, who is able to judge us, to know our hearts and to know our motives. And we need the mercy of God. Well, the Bible says the mercy of God is pursuing you and after you. And with the goodness of God. When we talk about the goodness of God, this is a harder one to define necessarily because I think we all understand this idea of goodness. So I just picked out a couple of quotes here about the goodness of God. I love this one from J.I. Packer from his book, Knowing God. Slipping in strings... There will be no doubt. But the everlasting arms are beneath us. We shall be caught, rescued, restored. This is God's promise. This is how good He is. That His goodness surrounds us. That we may fail, that we may falter, but He is still there to lift us up. Bill Johnson, in his book, God is Good, 
he says this, we don't have the capacity to exaggerate God's goodness. We can distort it or even misrepresent it, but we can never exaggerate it. How many know that God is good and he is gooder than you think? Come on. Sometimes you just got to throw out some bad grammar just to get people's attention. God is, turn to the person beside you and tell them God is gooder. God is gooder. Come on. God is good, and he is gooder than you think. God is so good, you can never exaggerate his goodness. His mercy will follow you, and his goodness will surround you. This is our God. This is our God. But when we talk about this idea of being a greater reality, I want to point something out to you and give you a little bit of grace here. Because lest you think that David here is writing this from a position of great strength, that he's writing this, and this has always been his stance. David was born, and the first word that came out of his mouth was, Good God! And then, when he, uh, when he grew up, he, the first thing he said to his mom was, God is good! And the words just kept coming out of his mouth. And the rest of his life, you would say, David, what are you thinking about today? The goodness of God. Because he is good. Okay, great, that's awesome. If, if you think that or you believe that, I want to give you some grace today because that's not always the, the case for David. This is the same man who wrote this. In Psalm, 1, in Psalm 13, 1 through 6, he says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemies have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat forever, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I will trust in the unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me, and I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. This is the same man that wrote in Psalm 42, 11, Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God, and I will praise him again, my Savior and God. And this is the same man who wrote in Psalm 55, verse 1. He said, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen to me and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. You see, David didn't always feel this way. David didn't always recognize the goodness of God. But as he began to meditate on this idea of the Lord as his shepherd, as he began to spend time in the word, extolling and proclaiming what God has done in his life, and he began to look back on his life and recognize the way that God had led and guided him throughout his failures, but also throughout his successes, he began to recognize that there was one that is greater than his feelings. There is one that is greater than his current reality, and his name is Jesus. And this reality that the goodness of God will follow you all the days of your life is a reality that is a greater reality. See, I don't know how you're feeling this morning. I don't know how you came in this morning. Maybe you were feeling rough. Maybe you had a rough week. Maybe you're, you had a hard time this week getting out of bed at certain times throughout the week. Maybe you've been dealing with anxiety. Maybe you've had a, an amazing week. Maybe your week has been the best week you've had in your whole life. I don't know how you came this morning, but I do know that there's a greater reality. And that is this, that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. You might not see it, but it's true. 
You might not know it. You might not feel it right now, but it's a reality. And so David can declare here in this passage, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Amen? The Lord is my shepherd. My feelings are not my shepherd. My bank account is not my shepherd. My job description, my job state is not my shepherd. My current relationship status is is not my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on. The Lord is my shepherd, and this is a greater reality. Oh, could we be reminded of that today? Oh, could our hearts be turned to him? Oh, that we could see the goodness of God working in our lives. Oh, that we could see it. And further to that, the second point is this, that goodness and mercy follow because of the good shepherd, not the good sheep. Goodness and mercy follow because of the good shepherd, not the good sheep. Here's my question for you out of this. Where is your hope and trust placed? Here, here, here's what we could, you know, David, who often experienced darkness, loneliness, despair, is sharing a secret with us. Why was he able to say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? It's because, again, the Lord is my shepherd. Not because the sheep were so awesome. Right? We, we, we read about this. The sheep, they made a mess. Literally. If sheep were left to themselves, we read about this, the sheep would actually destroy the, the, the lands that they were supposed to cultivate and grow. They would actually destroy it. They would, they would muddy up waters and they would fill it with feces and people, the, the sheep would get parasites. They would have relational issues. Remember we talked about this and, and some of the older ewes would come and they'd try and butt away some of the other ones to get the better spots that they thought were the better spots. They would get cast down. Remember this? The sheep would come and they'd find a, a nice you know, little dip in the ground, and they'd think, oh, this is a nice place to lie down. And so they would lie down, and their body weight would, would be uneven, and their legs would get out of a proportion. They couldn't turn back over onto their feet again, and they'd end up on their backs bah! with their little legs pawing at the, at the sky, and they couldn't move. They would get cast down. These are the sheep. The sheep would make up their own minds and try and do their own things. They were always looking for greener pastures. They were getting weighed down by their wool, They got infested with insects and parasites. Come on. Yeah, they would. I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. The sheep were not the reason that the goodness and mercy of God followed them. It was because of the good shepherd. Remember, it was the shepherd that would go before It was the shepherd that would cultivate the ground to make sure that they had good grass to eat. It was the shepherd that would check on the watering holes to make sure that they were clean and they were ready to be drank. It was the shepherd that would lead them from one area to another as he would watch that they would eat up all the weeds and and, and grass in a certain area. He would move them over to another area so they could go to that field and, and, and do the same thing there. It was the shepherd that would manage the flock. And when they had a shepherd that took care and watched over them, then the flock would thrive. And there would be peace, and they could rest, and they could, they could get up in the morning knowing that they would be fed, and they could get up in the morning knowing that they would have water to drink, and they could get up in the morning knowing that there was a plan for their lives that was leading and guiding them. It wasn't because the sheep were so awesome. It was because the Lord is my shepherd. 
And can I just tell you again, for us, the reason that goodness and mercy follows us, this should take some weight off of your shoulders. If you're like, oh man, I just, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I, I, I don't know the Lord, I don't even know who you're talking about, it's not because of you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's because he is pursuing you. His name is Jesus The sheep were not perfect and at the end of the day are completely dependent upon the leading and pastoring of the shepherd. How many know that in every victory and in every failure, he is for us? He is watching over us. Psalm 62 verses 1 to 2 says, I wait quietly for God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Come on, church. We can have confidence in the good shepherd. We can have confidence that God is working in us, that God is cultivating the land around us to prepare the way for us. He is preparing a pathway for us. He is showing us where to go. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. He is preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He is walking us through the the, the, the valley of the shadow of death. This is our good shepherd. Amen? Amen? Number two, so where is your hope and trust placed? Let's not place it in ourselves. Let's place it in him. His name is Jesus. All right, number three. You guys with me? Number three. We're going to turn this around. We're going to flip this around a little bit here. Goodness and mercy are the byproduct of those who follow the good shepherd. And here's my question for you with this one is, what are you leaving in your wake? What's following you? Could it be that we could live a life that we could say that those that we interact with, they're like, man, I don't know what it was about that person, but I just felt goodness and mercy. I don't know what it was about that interaction, but there was something that came off of that person that I took away from, and and I'm enriched and I'm fulfilled today because that person, there was something in them, I don't even know what it was, but I felt it, and I'm enriched today because goodness and mercy followed in their wake. Church, let us be a people that have the goodness and mercy of God following us everywhere we go. Here's a couple of quotes here. Um, Philip Keller, the author of the book that we've been reading through, uh, says this, Just as God's goodness and mercy flow to me all the days of my life, so goodness and mercy should follow me, should be left behind me as a legacy to others wherever I may go. In fact, when we look at the shepherd and the sheep, it was often said in those times in, in ancient literature that sheep were referred to as those of the golden hooves simply because they were regarded and esteemed so high for their beneficial effects on the land. So just as a, a, a herd of sheep that are left by themselves can destroy a patch of land, when they are properly managed and pastored and shepherded, those sheep would actually turn land around. And Philip mentions in his book that there were two different ranches that he can remember, he can recall, that came from total shambles, complete chaos, that were turned around in a number of seasons by the sheep, by the way that they would cultivate the land. Sheep would improve the land and strengthen the land. They would do this because often they would try and find high places to sleep on, and so then they would, um, they would defecate in that area, and, and they're, 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 I'm not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. You know where I'm going with that, all right? And they would, they, would, they would fertilize the land. They had the best fertilizer. And they would fertilize the land. They would take care of the land. 
um, and they would eat up all the noxious weeds in the area that would try to come and overtake everything, and it would allow for good grass to grow. Over time, if, if it was well managed, the sheep could actually turn an entire piece of land around that had been uh, desolate and, and, and in chaos and turn it into something beautiful and in order. And that's what I believe we are called to do as the followers of Jesus. Because the goodness and mercy of God follow us all the days of our lives. We ought to be those that dispense the goodness and mercy of God. William Tyndale says it this way, God's goodness is the root of all goodness. And our goodness, if we have any, springs out of his goodness. Springs out of his goodness. There's a couple of scriptures here. Galatians 5 verses 22 through 25 talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. I'm just going to give you a paraphrase of this. Uh, Well, I'll read the first part. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. So here's what the shepherd does. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd. That's what this comes back to. The shepherd comes in where there are sheep. And when the sheep are in chaos... And when there's disunity amongst the sheep and when they're trying to do their own thing and they're trying to take off and do everything that they want to, the shepherd comes in with goodness and mercy and raises them up and manages them and gives them a purpose and a pathway and starts to turn around even the land that they feed from and the land that they take from. And he begins to to cultivate it and he begins to have a plan and he begins to move in that direction. And as he does that, suddenly the sheep who before were leaving behind destruction are now leaving behind in their wake goodness and mercy everywhere around them listen god can do that in your life if you look back and you see destruction i believe that what god can do the glory of god i believe this with all my heart church the glory of god is always revealed in restoration it's not in our perfection it's in his restoring work and this is what this passage in corinthians talks about it says he has reconciled us he has brought goodness and mercy he has helped us cultivate the land and then he also gave us a ministry of reconciliation that we can do the same thing in others around us we can leave a deposit of god's goodness and mercy How, what does this look like practically church let's smile when we go through the checkout counter you say i just don't feel like it right now no no, no. But this is an opportunity to leave goodness and mercy for one person who might be having a really rough day. I don't know what it was about that person. They looked at me genuinely in the eye. They called me by name, and they smiled at me today. I don't know what it was. The goodness and mercy of God. Come on. Let's choose kindness towards those around us. Let's choose kindness when we're driving. I know that's hard to do sometimes. But let's choose kindness. Let's choose to dispense goodness and mercy because we've received so much goodness and mercy. Amen? And further to that point, I had another question here that I wrote down, which is, are you looking for his goodness? Graham Cook says this, Do not look for evil. Look for the goodness of God all around you. As you look for signs of his presence, many more opportunities will occur for you to bless people and share God's true nature. Are you looking for it? Are you looking for it? Can we be overboard with the way that we thank people, church? Can we be overboard with the way that we honor others around us? 
The Bible talks about delighting yourself and honoring one another. Let's, let's live a life that, that, that reflects the goodness and mercy of God. Amen? Can we be that way towards each other? Grace towards each other. Kindness towards each other. So if the goodness and mercy of God are a greater reality, and, and if the goodness and mercy of God come because of the good shepherd, not because of the good sheep, and if the goodness and mercy of God are the byproduct of those who follow the good shepherd, where do we close today? Number four, we stand firm on his goodness and mercy. We stand firm on his goodness and mercy. And my question for you today is, have you made the good shepherd your foundation? Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12 says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is the sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Can you feel the attitude behind that? You know that, that attitude of David? This is, listen, hey, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Man, I'd rather be the lowest servant in the house of God that dwell in the tents of the wicked. Have you made the Lord, the good shepherd, your foundation? When I default, I go back to my foundation. When I default, I go back to the things that are the, things that, 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 that are, are the, the basis for my life. When I face a challenge, I go back to my foundation. Where is your foundation? Where is your foundation? Come on, are you building your foundation on a good financial plan? There's nothing wrong with that. But is that your primary foundation? Are you building your foundation on a coping mechanism? You know, when you default, where are you going to default to? Let Christ be your firm foundation. Ephesians 6, 13, I love this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. You know, sometimes you might not feel like you have it. Sometimes you don't have all the answers. And sometimes it's just not coming the way that you normally would have it come. And sometimes you're struggling with, with challenges in your mind. You're struggling with challenges in your business. You're struggling with challenges in your family. And sometimes everything around you just starts to swirl and feel like it's just overtaking you and overwhelming you. And what do you do in those times? I love that the Bible says this. It doesn't say, go and study another five hours. You know what? Take, you know, take the rest of the day and... And, and just, you know, fast for like 40 days. It doesn't say that. Although those are, those are good things to do. You know what it says to do? Sometimes all you can do is stand. Sometimes it's all you've got. Sometimes it's the only strength that you have is that day I know, I know one thing for sure. The Lord is my shepherd. I know one thing for sure that he, he has cultivated and he has led me and he has brought me to this place. And he didn't leave me, bring you here just to leave me. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore, I will stand on his righteousness. I will stand on his faithfulness. I will stand on his goodness and his mercy. Amen? We can stand because the Lord is my shepherd. 
And the passage here is this. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because I am such a good sheep. I've got this whole thing figured out now. I just follow the shepherd. I'm a good sheep. Oh, look at that grass over there. That's nice. Nope, shepherd's bringing me back in. Okay, I can do this. I got this figured out. Just going to follow the shepherd. Okay, let's go. Oh, look it. There's some water over there. It's brown, but it's probably chocolate milk. No problem. No, no, that's not the good stuff. Okay, shepherd's leading me back over here. Okay, well, the Lord is my shepherd. I got this all figured out. Oh, there's a wolf coming. There's nothing I can do about that. What am I going to do? The shepherd comes. Wham! Wolf's gone. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. So you can stand on his promises. You can stand on his mercy and his goodness. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd. And the Lord has a plan for your life. And the Lord knows you and he's seen you. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, declares the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. These are the promises of God for you today. Oh, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. That God is working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. These are the promises of God for you today. The Lord is your shepherd. And with that, we will close our series. In a few moments, we're going to move into a time of, of communion. Pastor Mike's going to lead us this morning in a time of communion. But before we do that, I just want to remind you of the journey we've been on. Again, we started at the home ranch. We talked about how the shepherd shows us where we can eat, leads us into good pastures and green pastures, that he restores our soul. He makes us lie down and rest. He leads us beside still waters. He leads us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he's with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil, and our cup runs over. Why? Because of the good shepherd. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because of the good shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd. So as we close this morning, I wanted to pray an ancient prayer over you. It's the reported prayer of St. Patrick. And just an excerpt of it. But just for a moment, I'd like you just to close your eyes. And I'm going to pray this, and then we'll have Pastor Mike come, and he's going to lead us in a time of communion. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eyes that sees me, and Christ in the ear that hears me. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you are our good shepherd.
Father, that therefore we can rely on you and we can put our hope in you. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, that you are working in us even today, Lord God, both to will and to do for your good pleasure. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that your word is active today. We pray that it would do a deep work in our hearts today, Lord Jesus, to remind us of your goodness and of your grace. To remind us, Lord God, that you are even working in us now, Lord God. To remind us that it's not an accident that we're here today, but we're here by the grace of God. And so, Father, today we pray for all those that are here under the sound of my voice. Lord God, I pray for those today that need a fresh touch from you, Lord God, that you would touch them right now. Lord God, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Fill each heart. Father, those that are far from you today, Lord God, let them be drawn back to you, Lord Jesus, by your grace and your mercy, for it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. In your holy name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Mike. Amen. What a beautiful, uh, what a beautiful word. What a beautiful um, message. You know that that verse. It's it's starts where we're at, and it takes us into the future and beyond into eternity. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, this life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful uh, truth that is. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, um, I just want to point out some of the teaching from the Word of God with regard to communion. What we're meant to do as we take these uh, emblems, the bread and the cup, it says that everyone, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So we have the Lord's death, our life with him now, until he comes again in the future. And when he comes again in the future, he'll be ushering us in to our eternal home. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And with with that, this, the scriptures are so here. This is the time for us. It says this, so anyone who eats and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And that's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And as we're taking this communion in just a few moments, maybe those that are serving, if you could make your way up here, uh, over here on, on this side. It's a time of examination, but it's not about, you know, how good of a sheep we are, right? It's not about how good of a Christian I am or how great of a believer I am. It's, it's am I in Christ? The Bible says, who all who have received Christ, to those, he gives the authority, the power, the privilege, and the right to be the daughters and sons of God. to all who receive him. And that's what's so important for us is to have that sort of connection. Have our faith in Christ and have him in our life. We receive his forgiveness. 
Jesus. And if you're here today and maybe you're, I, 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 you know, we have people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, and there needs to be that time, that, that moment, that experience with God that I, not only do I believe the facts about Jesus, but I'm receiving him and embracing him and I'm following him. And that's what it means to take communion. It's whoever takes this bread and drinks this cup, we are remembering him as often as we take it. So let me just pray with you one more time real quick here before, before we take communion. And if you're here maybe for the first time, you've never given that moment, had that time where you received Christ into your life and said, you know what, the Lord is my shepherd. I believe he's the good shepherd out there. He died for the sins of the whole world out there, but I'm receiving him personally right now in my life. And then when we take communion, that's sort of like an outward expression of something that happens on the inside. Let's just pray together. And I'm going to pause after each sort of phrase, and that'll be an opportunity for you to say the same thing to God. So Heavenly Father, here we are today, and we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. I thank you, Lord, that you died for me. I'm turning away from my ways, and I'm following the Good Shepherd. I'm not depending on my own goodness, but I'm depending on the goodness of God. Thank you that you love me. Teach me your ways. And I will walk with you. Amen. Amen. If that's your prayer, maybe you prayed that for the first time. Uh, would you please let us know after the service, after we finish, there will be people standing over here. You can come and, and let them pray for you. And, and tell somebody, tell somebody that, you know what, this has been the first day of the rest of my life. I've embraced Jesus Christ as my personal Savior.